Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Rebecca. And our second Bible reading today is going to be Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, and all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. At this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and cancelled uh, the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it's time for our sermon now, but as we begin, let's come before God in prayer. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it's a light for our feet and a guide for our souls. We ask that as we sit under it now, you might be at work shaping us into the image of your son. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're thinking about forgiveness today. And as I've worked on this sermon over the last few weeks, I've come across many powerful tales of forgiveness. But perhaps the most powerful one I've encountered is the tale of a woman named Fan T. Kim Fook. Now, the name may not be familiar to you, but I'm sure for many of us, the photo is, uh, this is the photo of her here. It's a photo from the Vietnam War, and she's just been hit with a napalm bomb. And so what we see is that she's fleeing, wailing in agony. The clothes burned off her back. There's soldiers all around. There's other disorientated and agonized children all around. There's smoke in the background. It's quite a horrific picture to look at. But perhaps what's even more horrific is the kind of surrounding circumstances of it. The napalm attack killed her cousin and she's just been burned horrifically on her back. In fact, napalm burns, burns at over 600 degrees and so she's just been burned by such a hot fire. And what happened after the photo was that a, a well-meaning passerby saw her in her agony and chucked some water on her in an attempt to help. But all that did was reignite the napalm that was still on her and caused horrific burns all over her body. In fact, so badly was she burned 
that they thought she was dead. They took her and put her in a morgue where she woke up hours later covered in maggots. Imagine how horrific that would be. It would be horrific for anyone, but particularly for a nine-year-old as Kim Fook was at the time. Imagine if that was us. Imagine how easy it would be to be filled with bitterness and resentment at those who bombed her, filled with anger and hatred towards them. And in fact, for quite a while she was. Uh, she speaks of how at times she'd been filled with a bitterness and she'd been full of hatred. But the amazing thing about Kim Fook is that she actually ended up forgiving those who caused such unimaginable pain and suffering. And it's, uh, it's quite mind-blowing to look at that and think that she could forgive. I mean, we're left wondering, how is that possible to forgive in such an incredible situation? And what we'll be thinking about today is how it's possible for her and how it's possible for us to forgive. As we do, we'll be working through Matthew chapter 18 and we'll be seeing not just how we can forgive, but why we must forgive. Just like Kim Fook. It's because we've been forgiven much and so we forgive much. That's what we'll see as we work through Matthew chapter 18. And as we end, we'll then see that there's great joy in forgiveness. There's joy because it restores us, it reminds us and it relieves us. That's what we're going to see today as we think about forgiveness. Well, as I said, the passage we're looking at is Matthew chapter 18. It's one of the most uh, familiar of Jesus' parables. And at the start of it, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, comes to Jesus. And he's obviously been thinking about forgiveness. And he asks Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone? And he's obviously been thinking about this quite a bit because he gives possible answers. Did you see what he says there? He suggests seven times, which is actually quite generous. I mean, think about it. Imagine if you went for coffee with a friend, and when you get there, they're late. You're organised to meet at 10 o'clock, and at 10.15, they're still not there. 10.30, they're not there. 10.45, they're not there. 10.55, they're not there. Finally, 11 o'clock, they come. I mean, we'd be quite frustrated, and you'd be annoyed. How come you're so late? But they apologise, and we forgive them, and we move on. But then across that meeting, they're grumpy at us, they're snapping at us, they're harsh. We kind of confront them on that and they apologise again and graciously we forgive them again. But then later that night after the meeting, we find out they've been gossiping about us. I mean, in that situation, how many times should we forgive someone? Surely forgiving seven times is a generous amount. But did you see what Jesus' response is? He says, not seven times, but 77 times. It's so many. And now, of course, he doesn't mean literally 77. So we count up how many times we're forgiving someone. And when we hit 77, that's the magic number. And so come time 78, we don't forgive them. No, what he's talking about is completeness. Number seven is the number of completeness. And so 77 is complete completeness. In other words, it's never ending. We forgive someone as many times as is needed. There's no limit on forgiveness. There's never a time we don't forgive. Now, uh, that sounds quite extreme. It sounds uh, quite amazing. And we might be wondering, well, how's that possible? How can we forgive someone countless times? It's amazing for Kim Fook to have forgiven those people even once. But how could someone in that situation possibly forgive countless 
times. Well, to show us how that's possible, Jesus tells us a parable. He tells us a story. And in this story, there's a king who wants to settle debts with all of his servants. And so he calls before him one of his servants who has a tremendously large debt. Have a look at verse 24. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. See the size of the debt, 10,000 talents. That's an astronomically large amount. Uh, For context, uh, the average daily wage of a worker in those times was one denarii. You needed uh, 6,000 denarii to make one talent, and this guy owes 10,000 talents, which means that he owes 60 million denarii. In other words, 60 million days worth of work. To kind of put that into our time's context, the average daily wage for Australia, very loosely, is $230, which means if he owes 60 million times $230, that means he owes around $13.8 billion. It's an astronomically large debt. I mean, he'd never be able to pay that off. But nevertheless, he begs for patience. He says to the king, somehow, if you give me time, I'll pay it off. He doesn't want to be sold off into slavery or to have his family sold into slavery, as happened at those times to settle debts. And so he begs for patience. And the master looks at him, and the master knows. He knows this servant has no hope of ever getting anywhere near that kind of money. And yet, the master has pity on him. And he forgives him. Have a look at verse 27. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. How incredible is that? I mean, it's forgiveness beyond comprehension to cancel a debt of $13.8 billion. It's breathtaking. Yet that's who the king is, such a generous king. But the question then is, well, how does this story help us to forgive It's good to hear about this king who forgave, but how does it help us? Well, it's because of who the characters represent. Remember, parables are stories that are meant to teach a point. And so in this story, the king represents God. God is the king of the whole universe. God is the most generous king we could imagine, a king who is willing to forgive debts even as great as $13.8 billion dollars. And then, who's the servants? Well, they're us. We're the ones in debt to God. In what sense? Well, because of our sins against God. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus describes our sins as debts in, his, in the Lord's prayer. Our sin against God is our debt to him. We owe him allegiance. He's our king. We should obey him. We must obey him. And yet we don't. So often we live as if we're the kings of our own lives. Our debt is our sin, our rebellious action. And it's a debt beyond anything we could possibly hope to pay back. See, we have an eternal debt worthy of an eternal punishment because we've sinned against an eternal God. It's a debt far greater than even $13.8 billion dollars. 
But the incredible news is that God has forgiven that debt because of his son, Jesus, life, death, and resurrection. Anyone who trusts in Jesus has that debt wiped clean. I mean, this is an amazing forgiveness that God offers. A stunning forgiveness. And that's why for Christians, forgiveness isn't an academic exercise. This is something we've experienced. We have been forgiven so much. We're, the, we're like the ones that Kim Fook forgave. Guilty of incredible sin. A debt we couldn't possibly hope to pay back. And yet, the offended party, God, has forgiven us. We've been forgiven so much. And see, that's why we're then able to forgive others. That's why Kim Fook could forgive, because she became a Christian. And she realised this incredible debt that God had wiped clean for her. She realised that she'd been forgiven so much. And just like her, we've been forgiven so much. And if that's the case, then because we've been forgiven so much, we forgive so much. Because we've experienced forgiveness, we can and we must forgive others. We see it as the parable continues. The servant goes outside, a smile still on his face at the incredible forgiveness he's just received. Imagine how great he feels. He thought he was going to be sold off into slavery. He thought his kids and wife were going to be sold off into slavery. But not only has he avoided such a horrible fate, He's also had such an enormous debt removed off his shoulders. I'm sure that debt had been hanging over his head for many, many months before that. A constant cloud always over him. And yet now it's gone. The bright sun of relief shines down on him. And so as he goes out, the smile still on his lips. He comes across a fellow servant, a servant who owes him a debt. Now, what would you expect him to do at this moment? He's just been forgiven $13.8 billion. Surely he's going to pass that on, right? Well, have a look at verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. He doesn't pass on the forgiveness. In fact, he does the opposite. He chokes the guy and he demands that this guy pays him back. The guy owes him 100 denarii, which is no small debt. Remember, a denarii is one day's work, so $230, which means he owes him 100 of that, which is $23,000. This is not a small debt. But that's the whole point. Even though it's a significant debt, He's been forgiven an even bigger debt. He was forgiven $13.8 billion. So even though $23,000 is still a significant debt, surely he has to pass on this forgiveness. He's been forgiven much, so he must forgive much. But he doesn't. The fellow servant begs for patience, begs for mercy, but instead this servant has him chucked in jail until he can pay back. I mean, how bad is that to be forgiven such a big debt and to not pass it on? And in the same way, how sad it would be if this was us, if that's what we were like. How sad would it be if we were forgiven a debt even greater than 13.8 billion and yet don't forgive others their debts against 
us. If we've been forgiven much, we must forgive much. Now, it's not saying there's not cost involved. There is. $23,000 is a significant debt. It would have cost this servant much to forgive. And isn't that what forgiveness is like? It costs us to forgive. It cost Kim Fook a lot to forgive. To forgive those who stole away her childhood. To forgive those who caused such untold anguish and suffering to her. And it costs us to forgive as well. To forgive the hurt that's been done to us. To let go of the pain and the disappointment. To not get retribution for our suffering. There's cost involved in forgiving. And yet, we must do it. Why? Well, because we've been forgiven so much. So we forgive so much. God wiped clean our debt. A debt far greater than 13.8 billion. He wiped it clean at great cost to himself. And so we pass that on to others. We forgive others as well. That's how Kim Fook was able to forgive. And that's how we're able to forgive because we know the forgiveness of God. But we don't do it begrudgingly because there's actually great joy in forgiveness. Firstly, there's great joy in forgiveness because we have experienced forgiveness. There's great joy in this idea of forgiveness because God has forgiven us. God has restored us. There's great joy in that restoration. And so if anything in the world should give us joy, it should be being restored to God. It should be being forgiven by God. Through Jesus, God has wiped away our debt. We're spared the fate we deserve. For the servant in the, in the parable, he deserved to be sold off into slavery. But instead, the king forgave that debt and he was spared the fate he deserved. And for us, we deserve an eternal punishment for our sin against our eternal king. And yet, God wipes that clean. God's forgiven us. And so that's why for us as Christians, forgiveness isn't an academic exercise. It's an experiential one. We've experienced the joy of forgiveness beyond our wildest imagining. We've we've experienced the joy of God forgiving us, of God restoring us back to relationship with him. And so because of that joy, that experience, we must pass it on to others. We've been forgiven much. So we forgive much. And the act of us forgiving others also brings joy. We get joy because God has forgiven us and restored us. But we also get joy as we forgive others. How? In what sense? Well, in two ways. Firstly, there's joy in forgiving because it reminds us. Every time we forgive... We're reminded of that forgiveness God has given us. We're reminded of why it is we're forgiving. We're forgiving because God first forgave us. And so it's a little bit like this. This is a trophy I got uh, playing football. And every time I look at this this trophy, I'm reminded of what it signifies. I'm reminded of all those Saturday mornings spent wrestling in the mud. I'm reminded of all those tackles. I'm reminded of all those spoils and marks. Every time I look at this, I remember what it signifies. And in the same way, 
every time we forgive, it points us, it reminds us of that great forgiveness that God has given us. Every time we let go of the hurt that others have caused us, it reminds us of the hurt that we've caused God and the way he let go of it, he forgave us. And so that's why there's joy in forgiveness because every time we forgive, it reminds us of the forgiveness that God has first given us. But there's also great joy in forgiveness because it relieves us. It relieves us of the burden of having to carry around all that anger and resentment, the grudges and the slights. It relieves us of having to hold on to that and nurture the wrongs that people have done to us. When we forgive, we get to let go of all of that. The joy of forgiveness is that it relieves us of that weight. Jesus famously said, the truth will set you free. Well, in this instance, the forgiveness will set us free. When we forgive, it relieves us of the weight of having to hold on to all those grudges and slights. I know of married couples that when they fight, they won't forgive each other for days and days. For days, they walk around angry at each other, snide comments, frowns and sadness. And how exhausting that must be to nurture and to treasure those wrongs and those slights. But forgiveness relieves us from that. It takes that burden and weight off our shoulders. I know of children who can't stand their parents, who resent the things that their parents did to them as they were growing up, who feel like they can never forgive their parents. But how hard it must be, how exhausting it must be to harbour that resentment to nurture and to treasure it. But forgiveness relieves us from that. It takes the burden and weight off our shoulders. I know of former friends who have held grudges for years. They haven't talked to each other in years, who years later have bitterness about each other. But how hard that must be. It must be so exhausting to harbour that resentment to nurture and treasure it. But forgiveness relieves us from that. It takes the burden and weight off our shoulders. See, the joy of forgiveness is that we no longer have to hold on to that weight. It relieves us of it, it's gone. See, there's great joy in forgiveness. Yes, it's hard, but it's also worth it. And so, as we end today, I want to ask you, is there anyone you need to forgive? Are there grudges or slights that you're still holding on to? Has someone wronged you and you feel like you just can't let it go? Is there anyone you need to forgive? Well, if there is, then take this as your opportunity to forgive them. Take this as your chance to get the joy that goes with forgiveness. The joy of being reminded about just how much God has forgiven you. The joy of being relieved of having to carry that weight around on your shoulders. Yes, forgiveness is hard work. It was hard work for Kim Fook and it's hard work for us. But even though it is, there's also so much joy in forgiveness. A joy that far outweighs the cost a joy that comes from knowing 
just how much God has forgiven us. And if that's how much God has forgiven us, then how could we possibly do anything other than forgive others? I'm going to pray and ask that God would help us find the joy we should in forgiveness. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you have first forgiven us. You have forgiven us a debt far greater than we could have possibly imagined. A debt far greater than even $13.8 billion. We thank you that you love us and you've forgiven us. And so we ask that you would help us be filled with joy at that thought. Be filled with joy at the forgiveness you've given us. But we also ask that you would help us to then pass that forgiveness on to others. That because we've been forgiven so much, we might forgive others so much. Help us to do that. We, we confess it's so difficult to forgive and we ask your help. And we ask that you would help us to find joy in doing that. To find joy in being reminded of how much you've forgiven us. And to find joy in the relief that it gives us as that weight is lifted. Lord, we thank you of who you are and the forgiveness you offer. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.